0: as we think about what we've seen heard and sung tonight a couple of verses warrant our attention just for a few more minutes that i think will help us understand from a larger perspective what's going on on this day 2000 plus years ago those verses are found in 1 Corinthians 15 There are verses 10 and 11. Let me read them to you. If you have your phone, you might could use that tonight. If not, it might be a little darker to see your Bibles for the purpose of our evening. I'll read these to you. They're rooted in the 11 verses in which we're spending this Passion Week. Here's what verses 10 and 11 say to us. It's Paul writing, and he begins the first verse with a contrasting word. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. So notice that he begins with a contrasting word, but. We'll see more about that in a second. And he uses a continuing word in the middle of the verse. He says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. So something about Paul's past is in view. And something about about Paul's present and future is in view. Just keep that in mind. He's connecting all of it to the grace of God. He then says this, that his grace was not in vain. On the contrary, meaning it it was not empty or futile. It was full. It was compelling and propelling. It was motivating. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, speaking of the other apostles... And by that, he doesn't mean that he was better than them or more important. He's meaning that this was his mission, specifically to work with these Corinthians. So he worked with them more than the other ones. But then he says this, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. You find the phrase grace of God twice in these two verses. And it is the overarching term for what we remember this weekend, including and especially tonight on Good Friday. It's the grace of God. And Paul says here two things that are quite intriguing about God's grace. He says, first of all, it is what forgave his sin. Remember the contrasting word I mentioned to you? Where Paul begins the verse by saying, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So what was he before the grace of God intersected his life? Well, the previous verse tells us he was a persecutor of the church of God. And for this reason, he says he was not worthy to be called an apostle. He's meaning there from human standards, by every horizontal perspective, because I persecuted God's church, I I shouldn't be an apostle now in God's church But guess what made him worthy? It was not the work of his hands. It was the work of God's grace. And so Paul says, I'm no longer a persecutor. I'm a church planter. And this is because of God's grace. So God's grace forgave Paul his rebellion, his waywardness, his his, um, enmity. All of his self-righteous works where he thought he was zealous for God, he was actually opposing God. And yet, by God's grace, through Christ, God forgave Paul and changed him. So he was not what he was, but now he's something new. Paul here says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that just refreshing? Aren't you glad that God's grace has changed you and taken you out of where you were and What you were made you something new. It was not the work of your hands. All your hands could do was build walls against God, sin against God, rebel against God. And by the way, perhaps some of you are like Paul. Your works of sin against God were in self-righteousness. You were trusting all your morality to win favor with God. You see, some do have the story of the back- alley drug addict, right? We have that testimony that, that, that God saves us from, and it's a, it's a life of great wickedness, we'll call it, visibly. But then there are those of us who we know God has saved us with just as much grace, but has been from a life of self-righteousness. And both are equally disastrous. None of that, on either end, gains us favor with God at all. It's only by His grace. And so Paul here says, it's the grace of God that has forgiven me of my sin, of what I used to be, and has changed me to what I am. But then he says, and His grace toward me was not in vain, meaning the grace is now now compelling Him towards something greater and deeper and lasting. So this grace was not only a rescuing grace, it's a motivating grace. It's a compelling grace to come to Christ, and it's a propelling grace to live for Christ. It's not empty or futile. It caused Paul to work harder than the others. But he says, it was not I, but the grace of God that's with me. So Paul here says, not only did God's grace forgive my sin, God's grace fuels my service. You see, this is why we as Christians, as followers of Christ, We don't come to the cross and say, okay, that was a one-time event, I'm done, now on with my life. The cross consistently fuels us for a life of service to God and others. It's the grace of God that does that. And so Paul here is saying two simple things to us tonight. The grace of God forgives my sin, yet it fuels my service I love this because Paul in no way is trying to lay claim to any kind of credit for what his life is. He's not trying to say it's because of that work of my hands. It's because of my effort. Paul seems to say even the effort that I'm giving, even the energy I'm applying to the task of serving the Lord, that's because of God's grace that is with me. I love his his tone of, of like no credit. Hands off. He'd say later in Galatians that God forbid that he should ever boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you'll notice that as I explain these two simple things, I've used some interchangeable words here. The grace of God, which is used in the text, the kind of the overarching, encompassing word for all that we remember and celebrate annually, Good Friday through Easter. And that's right to associate that because in this text, right before Paul talks about the grace of God, he spells out the essential elements of the gospel. Beginning in verse 3, the death and then the burial and the resurrection of Christ. He spells that out, gives evidences for it. And then he says, this is the grace that has changed me. So I think God's grace and the gospel are synonymous One is what it is, and one is where it's seen. The grace of God is seen in the gospel of Christ. But let me be even more specific with you, and let me drill down a tad more, especially in light of tonight. If you were to press me in a corner and say, Todd, where is God's grace? Yes, it is the whole gospel, no doubt, but where within the gospel is God's grace most fully visible? Where is it most clearly evidenced and expressed? I would say to you, it's on the cross of Christ. And I would base that answer on what Paul said in Galatians 2, 20 and 21. Because Paul himself, in this very same book of Galatians, he says and he connects the, the grace of God and the cross of Christ. Let me read it for you briefly. Listen to this. He says in verse 20 that he has been crucified with Christ. And so it's no longer I who live, he says, but Christ who lives in me. And he begins to talk in some of the same language as 1 Corinthians 15, where he says that he lives for Christ, but it's not himself living. It's Christ living in him. And he does this by faith in the Son of God. So he's saying, I have this life to live. I'm working for the Lord, but it's not me that's doing it. It's God in me. It's Christ in me. He's Again, he's crediting everything to God and Christ. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God. Meaning, just because I'm working and living and striving and putting forth energy into serving Christ does not mean that God's grace is not the one motivating and fueling that. Notice how he uses the phrase grace of God. Now watch this. He says... For, for if righteousness could be through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Do you see how Paul is, in a very singular fashion, connecting the grace of God, which forgives and fuels to the cross of Christ, where that actually occurred? So tonight, when we talk about the grace of God uh, forgiving our sin and fueling our service, We're talking specifically tonight about the place where that's seen in its clearest fashion. In its most expressed form. And that is on the cross where Christ died. And this fits with the word grace, doesn't it? You know, grace is the word for gift. It means you receive something that you don't deserve. That's the cross. Where Jesus took your place. Where you should have died and I should have died. Where I should have paid the penalty for my sin. But instead, Jesus, the Lamb of God, our substitute, took our penalty and took our place. And what says, he took our sin and he gave us the gift of his righteousness. So I am not backing away, not that you're asking me to, but I'm not backing away from this simple Understanding of the gospel that yes, it is all God's grace, and it culminates and its apex point, so to speak, is the cross where the gift of God is most clearly seen in the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for all who believe in the shedding of His blood. He also gives you adoption into His family, His Holy Spirit, and inheritance. These are all the gifts that God gives to those who believe because of what Christ did on the cross. So we as Christians, we make the cross a focal point every day. We take up our cross and we follow Jesus. It is a daily, regular reminder to say I'm tethered to the cross and I will live my life in a crucified fashion, and I'll expend energy and strive and work. And that will not be what's, it's not my effort that's making any difference. It's always God's grace. It's always the cross. It's the cross who's rescued me. It's the cross that motivates me. It's the cross that's forgiven me. It's the cross that now fuels me. It all comes back to the cross. That's where the grace of God is seen. And so tonight, my sense is most folks in this room are probably, probably believers. That's probably why you came to a Good Friday service. Somewhere in you, you know that you have the grace of God that's intersected your life and you are depending upon that and that alone to forgive your sin and fuel your service. But I don't assume that everyone's a believer. While the vast majority may be, there may be some here who are not trusting the grace of God i.e., the cross of Christ, as their only way to have their sins forgiven and their life fueled for service. You're trying to build your own works. You're trying to craft your own spiritual resume to impress God, maybe earn favor or purchase your own salvation through your works. But the Bible makes it clear that there's not a single one of us that can do that. No one's righteous. Even our best deeds, the Bible says, are like rags. So every single one of us needs the grace of God. So I would encourage anyone here, I would pastorally urge you, if you're depending on your own merit, your own works, take your hands off of those crumbling, corrupt works And embrace the work of God on your behalf. The cross as your only way to be saved and made right with God. Ask God tonight to save you through Jesus. His shed blood and his sacrificed life. His resurrection. And God will do that. You'll know then what it means to have the grace of God. Forgiving your sin and fueling your life for service. To that end, can I ask you to join me for a few minutes of meditation and prayer? Let's all bow our heads, can we? All of our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Will you think with me about the cross? The pinnacle place of God's grace? Will you for a moment think upon that day when God's grace was revealed to you? in the person of Christ on the cross and you simply believed that Jesus was the gift of salvation, just think about that day. and Let your heart begin to rejoice in the work of God on your behalf. You think about what's ahead in your life and all the ways that you want to live for Jesus and bearing your cross and embracing difficulty and sharing your faith with others, all the things that encompass what it means to to live the crucified life, will you thank God in this moment for the grace to live that way? In other words, will you now in your seat, just for a moment, will you put the cross in the crosshairs of your vision? And will you be grateful for the forgiveness that Jesus provided through the cross, as well as the fuel for your tank to live every single day in light of the cross. Holy Spirit, move among us this evening. Encourage believing saints. Come alongside a weary teenager tonight. Holy Spirit, renew and restore a widow or a widower, a parent who feels as if there's no time left in the day and he's exhausted. Across the spectrum, Holy Spirit, would you fix our eyes on Jesus and his sacrificial work on the cross? as the pinnacle of the place of grace. And will you, will you, Holy Spirit, remind us that's where our forgiveness is and that's where our fuel is.